In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success and who to find it? That's the big question. Is it measurable? Can you obtain it? Can you dream it? Can you hold it? I'm on a quest to redefine how we view success, and I'd like to bring you on this journey. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. It's the real stories behind success. My name is Tony Grebmeyer, and this is episode number 39. Today's guest is an author, an entrepreneur, an all-around amazing guy, and the owner of Closer Secrets. I want you to welcome to the show from Boise, Idaho, Randall Grizzle. How are you? I'm doing awesome, man. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Tony. Man, I love it. I'm excited. So the first question I'm going to ask you out the gate is your definition of success. Being able to own your time. Being in a position that you can make decisions in the now and being happy right now with life where you're at and not chasing something continuously and being happy down the road. But like I said, just living in the now, being able to control your time. All right. So what I want to know, because I don't think it's always probably been that way for you. I know I love your answer because it sounds like I'm present, but I know to get present, you usually have to kind of go through something to get you to that state, right? So I want to talk a little bit about your upbringing, where you grew up. And what we're going to do is we're going to take kind of your early years. We'll stop, ask some more questions, and we're going to stair-step our way up to the top of Success Mountain today. And, and through that process, I'm going to kind of lead, ask you a bunch of questions, get some feedback at the audience kind of involved like they're watching like a an amazing show maybe it's a comedy movie right we want to laugh have some fun and then at the top we're going to stop and it's going to be a cliffhanger it's like Sylvester Stallone hanging on like I can do this and Mission Impossible right with Tom Cruise and then we're going to come down the mountain you being the Sherpa you giving us all of the things that we can use in our business and in our life to kind of make an impact and at the end we'll get to the fulfillment round ask you a bunch of questions and along the way we're going to get to know you a little bit better. So talk to us a little bit about your childhood. Just where did you grow up? I grew up in a small town here in Idaho on the the Salmon River, graduated with 20 other kids. How was that? How was graduating with 20 kids? You know, at the time, I I always felt like there was, I wish that I was in the city, you know, more stuff (laughs) to do and all that. But I think that looking back, it was amazing, you know, living in a small town and kind of knowing everybody in your class. And so where'd you go after high school? I went to college for a couple of years out in Montana to a small college called Western Montana. Was there more than 20 kids? A few. <laughs> it was also, you know, it was an NAIA college. It was the place that I guess let me come play some football. Is that something that you had done a lot of growing up or did you just, were you a big enough kid that someone said, hey, you should come play football? Like, how did that play out? Yeah, I think I you know, definitely always liked sports and stuff. It wasn't until I was about a junior in high school till. I kind of felt like I was, you know, kind of good at it. I was never great. That's why I played at a small college, but I enjoyed it. I loved it. And so, yeah. So you're playing some college ball. What was life like for you? I mean, because I got to imagine going to school with 20 kids. How big was the town you grew up in? Oh, I think there was 350 people. Okay, cool. Now, what is college like then? The college town that you're in, how many people were there roughly? Yeah, the college town, it was Dillon, Montana. And I think the community there was less than 20,000. But yeah, when you're like under 400 and then go to 20,000, did that play any games with your head? Did it play like, wow, like I've hit the jackpot, I've struck gold? Like, what was it like for you? You know, the college also was a small college. And so it was kind of one of those things that it was obviously bigger than my high school. 
Sure. But, you know, the relationships that you create, you see a lot of the same people. That small town feels still with the college for sure. What kind of jobs did you hold kind of growing up before you went off to college? I want to go back for just a second. Like what kind of stuff would you do to kind of make money to survive, right? I know when I used to ask my mom for money, she's like, all right, I'm going to give you a list of chores. When you get these done, I'll give you, you know, this week's allowance. What kind of stuff did you do to earn money growing up? My very first job that I had is I was a cart boy. My mom worked at this nice, she was the food and beverage manager at this resort and summer job. And I was in the cart bar and pulling out carts and scrubbing down clubs. And then from there in the summer times, I would be a bus boy at the resort. So it was kind of a cumberbund and tie. That's where I got my good etiquette. All I, was right. just, I was just joking about the good. No, I know. I'm, that's why we said comedy. <laughs> yeah. So you're doing great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or would I say you learned a little bit of your humor came from your early days in your job? Did you hold a lot of jobs growing up? Well, those were the main two things that I did through high school. When I went to college, part of my scholarship was I had an opportunity like to have kind of a, I forget what you call it, but a job on the campus. Okay. I checked in and I cleaned the racquetball courts and, and the weight room and those things. But I was, you know, after that first year at the resort, working in the cart barn and doing that, I stuck around there pretty much all through high school. You uh, go off to college now. And what was your primary goal uh, going off to college? Did you have one around sports? You think, hey, I'm going to make it to the pros. I'm just going to go and get my AA degree. What, like, Tell me a little bit about what you're going to school for. Yeah, I really knew out of high school that... I wasn't, you know, I wasn't pro athlete material. That's kind of the reason why I ended up at a small college, but the college that I went through was for teaching. So I wanted oh, to be, okay. a, I wanted to be a coach and, you know, I wanted to teach. And so that was my intention when I went out there to go to school. All right. So I want to talk because what happened sometime in the twenties, you got exposed or introduced to a little bit of like what you're doing today right? You kind of got introduced into high ticket sales. I mean, in your career, you, you've sold well over $10 million. You're known in the industry as the go-to guy. If you're looking to get right people into your program, masterminds, if you're looking to sell something of value, you are the name that people spit out. They say, hey, call Randall. Like He's the guy you got to talk to. You've worked with some of the biggest names on the planet. You've written a book about closer secrets of helping people kind of figure out the sales process, how people work. So, I want to talk about kind of in your 20s, getting started in this industry. How did you get your start? Yeah, I started because I had a concrete construction company. And in the winter times, it gets slow. Out here in Boise, you know, we, we get serious winters. We get snow and freeze and, and all that. So I had a buddy that was working on the phones and they were selling consulting on helping people make money with eBay. And that was my introduction into the working on the phones and it, you know, from the beginning, it was at that point, it was definitely a struggle. The learning curve was real for me, but you know, that's where it all started. Like I said, working, selling people opportunities on how to make money with eBay. That's so cool. All right. So you're learning how to make money online. You've got this kind of background. So what's next? What's kind of growing in your life? Like how's relationships for you? How's kind of like your dating life? My dating life, we do date night at least once a week on the weekends with my wife that I've been married to for 14 years. What was the second part of the question? Like my date, <laughs> like date. Well, I was like, I was like trying to figure it out because I know you got going on today. So I'm staying your past for a specific reason. There's something magical so far that I've learned about your story, right? Small kid, small town, big ideas, big dreams, kind of knew what he knew, knew that if the right opportunity came around growing up kind of on a ranch and a farm that it presented with like the right things, you could make it work, 
right? And somehow along that way, someone gave you a shot and you're learning kind of like the idea of about sales and marketing and how to interact with people and to get them to feel kind of like, I think where they're feeling like they're making a good decision, right? Pulling out a credit card, sending in a money order, making a wire transfer. I mean, you're talking about big time tickets, right? People are sending good amount of money to you. So I'm, what I'm trying to figure out is how does a guy like you in a small town, 300 and some odd people go to college in a town of 20,000, finally find his way into high ticket, high dollar sales, right? Like how does that happen? And that's the kind of stuff that I want to talk about because I think you're the guy that I would look at at the right place at the right time, the opportunity presented itself and you said yes. And I think that's what you sell to people all day, every day. So what I wanted to talk about was kind of growing up and how did you meet your wife and what did that look like to you, right? Because you grew up in a small town, like your neighbor could be your cousin for all I knew, right? Like, so like, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. Like with my wife is kind of one of those things that hung over on a Saturday morning, you know? (laughs) I went to one of my good buddies played on this semi-pro football team. And my wife was the video girl for the local news station. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so she was filming the game. And my buddy, he's like 6'8", 340, 350 pounds. And he was trying to get in front of the camera, you know, and get some camera love. And she kind of gave him a little attitude. So I kind of checked her a little bit. I was like, hey, you know, be nice. So that was the start of this, everything. <laughs> and you guys, now you said just a minute ago, you've been together for 14 years married. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. And do you have kids? Two kids. We got a 12-year-old and an 11-year-old daughter and son. All right. So let's dig into what is Closer Secrets? What is the company you run? What is the book you authored? Tell me a little bit about that. So the books kind of helps people that are trying to focus on selling high-end consulting. The company, kind of the direction that it's went is I'm one of those guys that has a hard time maybe focusing on one thing. I see people doing certain things and I'm like, that can work for me. That can work for me. And before I know it, I got my hands in all these different things. And I've created this course on how to do high ticket sales. And I focused a lot of time and efforts on the whole webinar thing and all that. But over the course of the last year, year and a half, I've found that the one thing that's working well for us is really staying in my lane, focusing on what I'm good at and providing the greatest service that I can provide for people is somebody to actually do the sales for them. Okay. So you're, you're offering like a whole solution. Is that kind of what would you say it is? Yeah, that's it. Yep. All right. So the book that you decided to write, was there something inside you calling to release a book and a product out to the masses, kind of unpacking your history, kind of the years, 10 plus years spending around this subject on a daily basis? Like, I think we all have a book in us, but not everybody goes, I'm going to go write a book. Well, I think that was another one of those things, like you mentioned, relationships, I had the opportunity to go out to Australia with Russell Brunson. And when I was out there, one of the people that I had got started in his inner circle, his name's Darren Stevens. And he's in the book publishing business. He published Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. He kind of inspired it in me or me to do it. And he published it for me. I just felt like I wanted to share kind of the behind the curtain of how the high ticket sales stuff really works. Was it easy for you to write the book? Nope. It wasn't. It took way longer than I thought. I basically kind of had one book almost done and and it just wasn't what I was trying to put out there. And then I hired a mentor and she helped me a lot with it. But the reality is, you know, and I think it's probably like this for most people, but if I rewrote it, it would be a little bit different 
than what it is now even. And so I think writing a book can be challenging. I know a lot of people can bang them out in a month or whatever. But for me, it, it took, I worked on the book for a little over a year. Was there anything that you now look back on in that process? And you're like, oh, I could have done this so much easier, right? I've heard so many people when they say like getting their thoughts out on paper, like they record it yeah. and then send it to somebody to transcribe it, then come back and then edit with it. Like, is there anything that you learn in the process? Well, yeah, I mean, that's great advice right there. One of the tools that I started using, because I'm not good at typing in these things, is definitely one of my weaknesses. But what I would do is I would go to the notes app and I would just record. I'd do recordings and then I'd transcribe those and kind of sort through that. But yeah, like if I had to, to do over again, or if I was kind of helping somebody strategize on putting their own book together, I would just say, have clarity with your message, who it is that you're speaking to and create a really solid kind of outline for the game plan before you start writing chapters. So, you know, have your, however many chapters you're going to have set up, put your titles together for the chapters and then fill in the blanks from there. Well, I think what you're talking about, right, is like being, talk to the very beginning about time and owning your time. And you said, you know, this book took you a year to get out. And, and since then, you learned so many things. And, and we were talking a little bit before the show. And, you know, I said, hey, are you a best-selling author? And you're like, no. And I was like, I literally stopped myself. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but you also said something really magical. You didn't give any of these away. And you have sold over a thousand copies of something that took you a little bit of time to write. It's also a great marketing piece for your business. You can now have the name author next to your work. So anything you go on stage, anytime you get on an interview, you're an author, right? It's your marketing piece, right? And so like, I want to tell you, like, I don't think most of the people we see as best-selling authors are best-selling authors. (laughs) Okay. They bought their way to fame and success. And I'm hearing a guy who grew up in a small little community, little town, went to school to play some ball, figured it out along the way, got married, has two kids, you know, 11 and 12, been married, you know, 15 years, doing well, wrote a book, wasn't easy. And at the end of the day, you're talking to people on the other end who it it, most likely it hasn't been easy for them and you're giving them hope, right? So I'm listening to you going, I got hope. I could write a book. I figured it out. Like if it took Randall a year, I guess it could take me a year and I'm okay with that, right? Like there's hope. There's a lot of hope in your story. Sure. And kind of, you know, like you, you mentioned about the time, it's not just me, right? Like that's your thing too, is that you're able to, to spend the time with your family, Tony. Right, like you can hop on a plane and head out to Cleveland and watch these games, and you're kind of the minority, right? I think most people, you know, they're just not able to do that. And so when we kind of talk about the whole high ticket sales thing and getting people to make decisions on these, you know, bigger investments, I think that whether it's five thousand or a hundred thousand dollar financial commitment, we base our decisions on: is it going to free up more of our time? You know, if I make this commitment, is it going to allow me? to own my time. So as far as the sales process that I learned early on, if people are willing to make a time commitment to learn something new and you provide them with the right knowledge, then at some point they'll become successful. I think most people get caught up in the day-to-day and other people kind of own their time. Yeah. No, and let's talk about time. Like when you're on a call with somebody, you know, and you're kind of saying, hey, let's just use me for an example, because I think it's perfect to give an example so the people listening can say, okay, I got a, Tony's got a high ticket mastermind that he's doing. It's $20,000 to attend four times a year. 
What are some things that you say to help somebody see the immense amount of value in being in a room with, you know, men and having counsel around them, a board of advisors, seeing that, you know, it's really about them getting away from their business, getting into, let's say, a closed environment where we can just kind of strip the layers back of the crap that we deal with as entrepreneurs and business owners. And we really get down to tactics and implementing strategy and then helping people to, I don't like the term. X your business this, X your business that. But let's just talk about some things that you're saying to help somebody see that that's valuable for them and the investment that they can get in return. And, you know, however, money wise, that you're putting a statement on it. And I know any statement that comes out of my mouth or your mouth today is this is just for an example of education only. This is not making any claims about anything you're going to do in my business or anything in Randall's business. We're just using this as a platform just to kind of give a lesson. Sure. Well, kind of some of the different things that I like to talk about is it doesn't matter in business whether you're starting a restaurant or a hot dog stand on the corner. If you're going to to learn something new or start some sort of new venture or improve the venture that you're building now, then like you said, you have to have the right strategy. You got to have a good game plan so that you can execute the play. So that's what people will invest into. But for them to actually get the results that they're looking to accomplish, it's going to take a commitment on their end. Because like you said, you know, I myself or the next guy, you know, I could come out to these masterminds that you guys do, but and sit around the round table and get that strategy, right? And understand the tactics that are working for these folks. But at the end of the day, I have to make a commitment of time. So this is the first sell in the selling process for me. Mm. Because if somebody won't commit time, then they're not going to make a financial commitment, right? The next thing that I like to talk about is the knowledge that we provide. Nobody wants to work with a know-it-all, right? You want to bring in people to be a part of your community that are open-minded, teachable, and that want to learn from an expert. The third thing is decision-making. You know, ultimately, this is their business. They're going to have hard decisions to make. If they have a business partner or spouse, we want them to be a part of our conversation. And the fourth one is the financial commitment, the money. But when you get people to make these little commitments, like, yeah, I'll put the time into it. I'm open-minded and teachable. I'm the decision maker and I'm willing to make a financial commitment. It eliminates a lot of wasted time with the wrong people. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break with today's guest, Randall Grizzle. We're talking about commitment, dedication, time that you can't get back for the things that you are wasting it on today. So why don't you put in the effort, the time, make a decision to be open-minded and stick around. We're going to come right back on today's episode of the Be Fulfilled Show. Are you suffering from marketing dysfunction? Are you not able to perform online as well as you could when you were younger? Unable to keep up with the intimate demands of buying product, running offers, and shipping items to your customers? Say hello to Ship Offers, clinically proven to enhance the growth and longevity of your business. Get some today at shipoffers.com. Hey, it is Tony Grebmeyer. We're back today. Randall Grizzle coming to us from Boise, Idaho, and we're talking about high ticket sales strategy, really about helping people to see for themselves true value, see the opportunity that's in front of them. Help them to make an informed decision, giving them the opportunity to be open-minded, to learn, right? It's so funny. You were talking about teachable right before the break and open-minded. So I, I created some methodology around the word growth, right? And so in there is gratitude, which I know you live in, right? R stands for being real with people, right? You got to be real with yourself. You got to be real with people. O stands for being open-minded. Like I got to get to the open-minded state because if I'm open-minded, that means what you're telling me may or may not be applicable to me, but at least I'm hearing you. 
right? The W, which is being willing. I'm willing to learn from you today. I really am. I'm in a place of complete gratitude and I'm being real with you. I'm being open-minded with you. I'm being willing to be teachable today. And that's the place of helping me to begin every day as a beginner that I don't know it all. And you were talking a little bit about being in a room filled with a bunch of know-it-alls. Nobody wants to be in that room. I've always said I want to be the dumbest guy in the smartest room because I've got so much to learn. But if I'm closed-minded, there is no opportunity, right? And then the H stands for happy. I walk away from this episode with you today happy, knowing that we went up Success Mountain, we came back down Success Mountain, you brought valuable insight, you helped me to unpack some things. I mean, even from growing up on the Salmon River, like I just got to imagine what life has been like when it was very simple. I got to imagine what life has been like when it's really crazy and chaotic. But I'm going to take us back for a moment to something that you said kind of in the beginning. And I think this is like really important about that chase that money game that I got to make it, you know, like, you know, I lived in a town, I got to make enough money just to go out for the weekend or the night and that chase and, and that how that maybe has hurt you or it's helped you to be a successful entrepreneur today, running a business as long as you have working with Russell Brunson, click funnels, doing all the things that you've been able to do. What's the money game like for you today? For me, it's been kind of one of those things that in the past and today, the more that I chase it, the more I end up worrying about it. And when like lately, like I try not to even look at my accounts, like my wife, I have my account, we have our, our account and I just try to focus on what I can do to, to create the most value. And by doing that, the real is when I first started Closer Secrets, looking at the game plan, the napkin game plan, you have to have strategy on how you're going to make money. It has to happen to build your business. And so for me, I started just creating. I started being like, well, you know, I know if I put this book out there, it'll help get some exposure. I can provide some value that way. I know that if I create this course that I'm going to be able to help people convert more sales. And I focused maybe 75% of my time in my business bubble on those things. But after, you know, a year goes by and, and getting all these different things out there, I've decided that the way that I'm able to, to provide the most value is by providing a service and getting results for people. And by focusing on that one thing, like this is the main thing, this is the value that we provide, focus on the new clients that I bring in, focus on growing the accounts that we have, money's been coming in. What's the biggest opportunity you've ever had in front of you for a high ticket sale and didn't get it? Well, I've, you know, I've pitched some $100,000 consulting deals and, and not got them. What's the highest ticket you've ever closed before? 100,000. Right. Yeah. Here's the thing though. Cause I hear, I see a lot of people talking about this, you know, obviously, but if you sell a chunk of real estate, you know, there's something, there's a house that comes along with that. And like in the consulting world, when you're selling coaching, training, you know, these things, it, there's not a lot of things that are tangible that go along with that. It's 100% people investing into themselves and the knowledge to be able to get to where they want to be. So it's a lot different selling $100,000 consulting package than it is selling a Maserati. Yeah. You know, I paid a lot of money to attend a lot of things and I've only been, I don't think I've ever not got something out of everything that I've ever paid for, right? Everything I've learned a lesson, I can wouldn't do that again, or I've learned something so valuable. I'm like, I wish I would have done this 20 years earlier, right? So you talked a little bit about, you know, your friend living in Idaho, getting a chance to do some high ticket sales. And how many people do you currently have working around you today that you coach, mentor, and help? 
I have just under a hundred people that have went through my closer certified or my everything high ticket sales course. I have nine clients that we do the done for you sales for, and I have 16, 17 contracted closers. So that's the, that's the real of where I'm at. You know, this is this company we've been working it and building it the last about a year, year, a little bit over a year. Would you say really since the book came out? Yeah, that's about the time that everything, because I kind of had a couple clients when I was still doing the Russell Brunson thing. But then when I got the book done and, and got it published, then that was kind of go time for clothes. It's about the time I met you, Tony. It was about the time that I met you out at out in Arizona at the meltdown. I love it. I remember, I, I remember meeting you for the very first time. You, you leaned over to me after we chatted for a few minutes and we spent some time, everybody dispersed out of that room. You handed me a hat, said gratitude on it. And I remember the look in your face. Your look was pure joy, excitement, uncertainty though. Like you didn't know how it was all going to work out. And here we are a year later and you know, 16, 17 closers, 100 plus gone through your courses, certification program. Just under 100. Yeah, just under 100. Yeah. We'll put asterisk next to my statement. (laughs) But the concept is, right? Like you're doing the work. So many people talk the game and then there's nothing to back it up. And if you're talking about a tangible something, no one's talking about dedication. And you talked about, you know, the four pieces, right? The financial, the decision, the open-minded and time, right? Like people can buy shit and they do it all the time. They buy stuff. People buy books and don't read them. But they said, I got the book. I bought the Closer Secrets. I got it. But like, I have never read it. What are some books that you've gone through, courses that you've gone through that you haven't finished, but you started in your journey? I just want to talk about because I think there's something magic here that it's going to tie this thing completely in from growing up, figuring it all out to knowing that we're flawed, that we make mistakes, that things don't work out perfect. But man, I love your four-step process. I really do about the financial, the decision, the open-minded and the time because you also just said a year ago from now, where you were a year ago to where you are now, how much time and work and effort you have poured into building out a business. You should be proud of yourself. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, the thing is, is that I did, like I went in, I I was scared. I had that fear. I've had up until I started my company, I had security. When I wanted to go to the credit union and get some money, I could go get some money. When I started my own thing, that all changed. And I had to prove to myself and build a community around the value that I could bring to the table. So basically the long and the short is I went, when I was creating this course and stuff, I went a couple of weeks one time without putting on my shoes or leaving the house and I wasn't balancing well. You know, I gained weight. I gained probably 20 pounds, 15, 20 pounds. And it's just because I was so, you nailed it. When you're like, you feel that uncertainty when we met. I remember walking through the airport after that event and doing one of the first Facebook lives that I ever did. And I was, and I remember, you know, Sean Whalen was talking about out there, just tell people the truth, tell them where you're at, right? And kind of good things will happen for there. But I was walking through the airport and I was like, yeah, you know, I was working with Russell and now I'm doing my own thing. This is what I'm good at. And by the time I got home, I had a whole bunch of support, a bunch of people messages me, you know. Like you just tell me, yeah, go get it, you know, and all that. But over the last year, there's been times that I was definitely wondering if I was doing the right things. And it's been a freaking learning experience, man, for sure. Yeah. The words of encouragement from people during uncertainty is so helpful. And let's talk about some haters. I want to talk about haters because I know haters are in your industry, right? There's people hating on these high ticket closers. Oh, you're looking, just trying to steal credit cards and get people when they're vulnerable. And I want to disprove that with you. 
I want to help people to understand like you run a business. This is a very big part of business. Go, let's look at the timeshare industry. Let's go look at real estate industries. Let's go look at any industry. There's people who come in to close the deal. And that's what we're talking about today is you need that when it's like that, the 11th hour, right? You got to get something across the table. You call in an expert to get the deal done and people reach out to you to be the closer to help get the deal done. How fun is it for you doing this business? Well, what I do is definitely fun. I think there's a lot of sales like trainers that teach high pressure. You know, it's a lot different for somebody trying to sell a car or a roof or these different things than selling change because that's what I sell. And so I know that whatever product or service that I'm selling, and by the way, I believe in God, right? So kind of my principles when I'm selling that I retreat to is don't lie. Like there's a reason why the sales quote on industry has a bad reputation. And oh, the, yeah. the, the reality is there's a lot of people that are out there that'll lie, cheat and still do anything to get, you know, a little bit ahead of the game. But I feel kind of like going into this and the reason why I've been able to build these teams and stuff and currently and also in the past is that I'm not okay with that in my operation. Hmm. Right? If you don't believe in a product or service, then you shouldn't sell it. So, I mean, that's, so the principle is kind of, if you come from a place of truth, you live in the reality, you speak the facts, you live in the reality, and you understand that your purpose is to do the survey and then provide a solution. So there's seven. And if you always just keep those things in mind, because there's always in every sales process going to be an opportunity for you to lie. There's going to be times that you feel like lying is going to be the difference between getting the deal done and not. But my thing is, it doesn't matter if you're lying to these people, it's going to come back around and you'll never, you'll never be great. You'll never build something that's special. So what's your hobbies like when you're not sitting there working and spending time with your family? What are things that you love to do, like sneak away and go enjoy? My main thing that I love doing is archery elk hunting. I love going out in the woods with my buddies and painting my face up and getting right in those big bowls and, and sticking them with my bow. Painting your face up. I like that. That's pretty awesome. I love that. Well, so what I want to do with you, I I learned a lot today. I mean, and I appreciate the faith piece and bringing kind of reality back home with leading with a servant leader heart, be honest, be vulnerable, be willing to be raw, tell people where you're at. You've been there. It's not like you're like high and mighty sitting on your throne. You're showing people, man, it's real stuff. And you're helping people too. You're educating the world. You're changing. You're putting out products. You're doing things that get you scared. You're not sitting back going, hey, look at me. I love the fact that you were barefoot for two weeks just working, like doing what it takes, like putting in the time. Totally open-minded. And you helped me today to see some big decisions that are ahead and how people like your company and others can really make a difference. When you're selling an education-based product, you're helping a service, you got a mastermind. There's so many valuable lessons that I've learned today. So what I want to do is take you through the fulfillment round. Fulfillment round doesn't have any rights or wrongs. There's no phone a friend. There's no, I don't know. There's no passing. This is Randall. You just got to be you. And I'm going to pick your brain. Don't try to write anything down that I'm saying. Don't try to guesstimate anything I'm saying. It's all just fun questions. We'll get probably five to 10. Maybe I'll fire, you know, only four and then I'll stop you and you won't be able to answer them. But who knows? You ready to play? Let's do it. All right. So first and foremost, you are the author of Closer Secrets and you almost finished this one book and then all of a sudden you pivoted. What were you going to call that first book? Oh, it was going to be Closer Secrets still. It was. Yeah. Yep. So you knew all along that Closer Secrets was what it was going to be no matter what. Yeah. It was just the, right. kind of the audience that I guess I was speaking to. All right. Ford or Chevy pickup? Ford, buddy. 
All right. Leather or cloth seats? Leather. Okay. Country music or classic rock and roll? Oh, man. Do I have to answer that? Yes. Jeez. Country. Okay. Favorite country artist? Oh, man. Mm. Are you like a 70s country artist and 80s, 90s today? That's what I was just thinking. I do like a lot of the old school. Waylon Willie, Merle Haggard, Conway Twitty. Yeah, like all those guys. But at the same time, I like some of the new stuff too. So, and same with like, I like the classic rock and roll, you know, the old school. Leonard Skinner, Marshall yeah. Tucker Band. Bob Seger, man. Yeah. I remember my mom putting on makeup, getting ready to go out and Bob Seger rocking when I was a kid and that stuff, you know. If you were to drink a beer, if you were to drink a beer, would you be like a Bud Light or a Bud or a Coors or Coors Light? Uh, Bud Light, but I prefer like the micro brews. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The worst grade you ever actually brought home to your parents on a report card? Uh, F. Did you really? Yeah, I've got Fs. What was the subject? What was it? Maybe we don't know why we got an F because we don't remember the subject. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't remember. I didn't get a lot of Fs, but I graduated. I was like, out of that class of 20, I was definitely on the the bottom 50% that, you know, I I had like a 2.5 GPA graduating. Hey, man, we're right there in the same boat, brother. I'm paddling one direction. You're paddling with me. We're going down the road. I never, school was so tough for me. One, I never wanted to attend. I just wanted to stay in the hallway and laugh and play and hang out and and try to get into, no, I never tried to get into trouble. I just like to have fun. I could see Uh, A story you can tell from your childhood that wouldn't put you in jail, but yet would probably get you to the doorsteps of a jail cell. Hmm. I used to like to really take the corners fast between my house and my workplace and because it was like a 30-minute drive. And this is when I was like 15 when I first got my license. And so I definitely, definitely could have gotten in trouble with that. But, you know, at the same time, I've there's all kinds of things. When I was in high school, there was definitely times that I figured out a way to, to put together a good party at, you know, mom's house, get everybody over and, and do those types of things. Now, you have a brother, Derek, that I know of, right? Yeah. Get any juice on him, any meat, anything you can share? Uh, he's a stud. He's a good man. He actually just had twins. And, you know, he's like, I was telling you kind of, I could tell you go on and on all the stupid shit that I've done. But he's pretty like by the book, good dude. Ah. I, I was definitely kind of the more, I don't know. I just, <laughs> you like to have fun. This is the admit yeah. it, right? When you said yeah. you, you make enough money to spend it on going out, like kind of get that, right? Yeah. All right. What's a hidden talent that you have that isn't about selling, isn't about football, isn't about being a husband or a father? What's a hidden talent besides archery or using your bow or hunting? Like what's something of a hidden talent the world doesn't know about you that we can debut on the show? Oh man. Uh hidden talent without being do you know any funny jokes? Like, you know, like... Not, not good at jokes. Derek is. My brother is. He's real good at them. Uh, can you sing? Uh, like karaoke? No, I suck at singing. I'm, can I'm you, really, like, paint a picture? Like, are I you... I'm horrible at art. I mean, that's what I mean. Like, I'm, I'm really trying here. I can juggle. <laughs> I learned how to juggle in the cart burn back in really? the day. Yeah, right. yeah. So we've juggled our way up and down Success Mountain today with Randall Grizzle. And the things that I've learned, I'm going to stick to... Man, I think there's a lot of heart in what you do. And what I love also is you're just, it's simple stuff. It's not complex, like right? Like lead with a servant heart, be true to people, be a good person, show up in public the way that you want the world to know you, not fake. 
and be transparent enough to say like, I don't have it all figured out and allow people to support you and love on you and help you. And, you know, from being an author selling, you know, tons of copies of Closer Secrets to helping people to understand the selling process and how to become a better closer in your business. If you're looking for courses and everything, we'll get the URLs in the show notes. We'll get you connected. Randall, I'm just honored, man. Like From the first time I shook your hand until every time I've ever had a conversation with you, it's always been of honor. Having you sit beside us at dinner or wherever it may be, you're always grateful and you always have that presence about you that I love. That's why I wanted to have you on the show as a guest because I think when you want to meet people and you want to put them around your audience and interview introduce them to your world, you want people that are fulfilled. And you showed me today what fulfillment looks like. And it goes back to that opening statement you made all about time, right? In this moment, I can't get this time back. So I hope I gave you everything you needed in our time together. And I hope that's true for you, that your time was valuable today and that that it was something that you were able to walk away with. And I hope that your audience, now you're going to know because my audience is your audience, we get to begin this journey of kind of our next evolution together. And we'll go climb another mountain again really, really soon. So thank you for your time today. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate you, buddy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is Randall Grizzle. Closer Secrets. You can learn more. You can search online. You can figure him out. He's the guy with no hair. He's the bald guy, but he's got full of heart and he definitely wants to make a difference in the world. And that's what he does every single day over at Closer Secrets. So check that out. My name is Tony Grubmeyer. Until we meet again, make today the best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at drainersanddrivers.com and download my free mini course designed to give you more clarity and freedom in your day. It might just change your life forever. Forever.